Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm joined here by Carolyn Thomas and Debbie Singh. How are you girls? Good. Good, thank you. How are you, Lena? Excellent. Thank you, Carolyn. So we're continuing on our Strongholds and Rejection series. So we just, we'll just briefly recap what we spoke about in the last podcast. So we, we spoke a lot about fear of man and, you know, we looked particularly at a um, Joyce Meyer's quote that just because people reject your opinion does not mean they're rejecting you. And, you know, we, t- we talked about that, you know, if someone can disagree with what we say and, and our actions but they're not rejecting us personally. Girls, do you have anything else you wanted to, to add to that? And, and we just we went on as well to say that if you don't actually if you're not in a place where you can have people disagreeing with you then you're not going to be able to form deep friendships everything will be superficial so yeah cool well let's just dive right in so we've got a another quote from our our good friend Joyce um, and we're just going to be speaking a lot about that today in today's podcast so the quote is I didn't know how to separate me from my behaviour. And since much of my self-worth depended on my accomplishments, if anyone came against something I was doing, I considered it to be a personal attack. So what are your thoughts, girls? Like what is meant by self-worth here? Well, I think self-worth is how you see your value and it's what you consider yourself to be in terms of worth or value. And the paper dictionary does you know talk about worth as well the same same words value and price and um, I think you know when I was just preparing this looking at I think it's really important to notice that self-worth that self part it's how you view yourself how you see yourself and it's not what others say and mm. that's often where the problem comes in so it's it's a self you know assessment and um, that's really important though because it's going to help you to identify identify if you have a wrong belief system how are you actually viewing yourself um because even in we can put up the word of god and what god says and how he views us but our self um worth can be different to that and that's where we'd be able to identify that there's something not right mm. yeah that's good i mean i think our emphasis needs to be on not the worth we place in ourselves but what jesus does so our value comes from an external factor rather than an internal valuation because that can change based on circumstance or emotion. Yeah. I agree. Believe <laughs> <laughs> me much there, girls. I should always speak last. <laughs> All right, have either of you experienced this in any of area of your life? Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> I look straight at me. And not surprisingly, I said yes. Um, I I found this to be true when I I'm doing something that I don't think I'm particularly good at. So if if there's something, you know, I, I know I'm not um, fantastic at doing, and um, someone says, "Oh, you know, you could do this better." You kind of because you, you're trying to pretend like you you can do it well, but when you know that you can't, you, that's when you arc up. And I think for me, most recently, that comes into play as a mum, you know. So when I think, oh, well, I don't... So it's just between you and me and you. Yeah, exactly, everyone listening. You know, I don't... I, I wouldn't call me the um, the best mum in the world, but, I mean, 
you know, I have my days. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, like when someone gives you a little comment about, you know, the way that your kids are or the way that you speak to them or the way that, you know, you do things, you kind of think, oh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not doing that the way that I should be and I'm not so good, you know. So, yeah, I do get quite defensive. And that's the hard thing, isn't it? Because people could make comments, not even intending, but it all depends on, like Lena said, where you are at at that moment and then the emotional thing and, like, we don't know what you're dealing with. Mm. And so, yeah, it can be, you know, something that seems to be a bob straight into that area. Um, I didn't realise that, you know, for me when it, when it talks about um, my... I didn't know how to separate me from my behaviour. I've just if I, your behaviour is obviously you know what you do, and so if I just substitute that, I can substitute that as me from my roles. So role as a mother and mm. role as a teacher, and you know I didn't realise that I'd had my sense of worth tied up with my behaviour or my roles. Um, and I think a lot of mothers can relate to this, and that's what you've just been saying, Debbie. That. Um, more so that the idea as well often of our children being a reflection or their behaviour being a reflection on us. Um, and often uh, we, we see it as a sense of, okay, you know, correct or incorrect parenting. So as you say, if there's a criticism, you know, you sort of, oh, am I doing this right or whatever. And, and, and you know, often as well that's fear of man, isn't it, and fear of people's opinions, mm. and we use that in the wrong way because... How many of us have got stressy? I know I've done it and put undue pressure on my child because, like, what are people going to think? You know, and I know for Callan as well, there's been time growing up, you know, you're the pastor's son. Um, you know, you're to behave in a certain way. And, um, you know, at school, particularly where we've been at the same schools, you know, like that's a, a, a reflection on me. So I would be harder on him maybe than I should have just because of that. And, um, yeah, and, and for me, where I really realised that, that the me was was tied up in my roles and my behaviour was um, I'd always been full-time employed as a teacher. So, um, you know, since basically 1987. And then when we came to Australia 11 years ago, that's the first time I didn't have a permanent full-time job in all those years. And um, it was at that point, you know, because I started out with relief teaching and stuff, but it was that point that I actually realised how much my identity was wrapped up in my job because I just felt worthless, you know, if I'm not a teacher, who am I? And also that coincided with Callan's age where he needed me less and less as well. And and it was only at that point, so even after having been in the church up until that point for, you know, many years, it was only at that point that I actually came to that sort of um, junction in my life where I realised through that unemployment that my, my identity was wrapped up in my job. And it was good because... It was at that point that I was able to, to, you know, switch it into being where it should be, but I hadn't even known. So I think there's a lot of people that I'm not even aware, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had a similar sort of experience. The first, when I went on maternity leave, uh, all of a sudden my life just felt so empty. I was, especially for the baby, Charlie was born, that was so noticeable. Like those few weeks of like, nothing, no job, nothing. And I was like, Oh, who am I? <laughs> and it was yeah, it was a really good moment to realize. Oh, I'm placing the, my value in a in a job in a role, mm. and not where it should be. And if um, can I talk more about the second part of that quote there? Then so um, 
since much of my self-worth depending on depends on my accomplishments, if anyone came against something I was doing, I considered it to be a personal attack. And I mean, I've seen this a lot, and I know I've experienced it myself, but people, you know, would consider if someone's criticising, even if it's constructive criticism or questioning, as a personal attack. And, it, and, and the reason you see it that way is because you're getting your sense of worth from that accomplishment. So if the worth comes from the accomplishment, then the defensiveness comes in because any criticism or perceived criticism about the accomplishment gets taken as a rejection of you as a person because that's where your worth is. It's coming mm. from that. And I know as well when I had um, my first seven years here in Australia when I had contract work, um, at the end of each contract, while we were waiting to find out about another one, and, you know, there was times when it would only be after the holidays on day eight that they would find out. And, you know, as much as the school would tell me, like, we really want to keep you and we're doing our best and whatever, um, I still felt rejection every single time, every year. And no matter how much they affirmed me and said, you know, like, you, we really want to keep you and we're happy with you, I still would feel that rejection. And that was after I had shifted my identity mm. as well you know so I think that you know just those old responses as well and the flesh habits and 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 I was just saying to Lena earlier talking about this that you know as much as they would tell me we're doing our best and sometimes it would be you know because something's happened with another staff member or whatever that you get a contract and they had no control over that obviously um but even there although I knew logically like okay they're happy with me they want to keep me this all bypasses your logic because it's an emotional response that you have. Mm. Mm. It's good. It's good. Oh, now I don't know where I'm up to. Sorry, question three. <laughs> my, all my notes have seemed to put every question as one, 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 one. Um, why why do you? All important. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> all right, so why do you think a person would consider it an attack on their person? Okay. Um, Well, we all like to be a bit of an expert on our own lives, don't we? (laughs) And so if somebody calls you out as not doing something right or, you know, finding a a fault in something that you do, of course we're going to arc up and think, I know what I'm doing. I'm like we're an expert of our own lives anyway, so... Um, but we decide our own self-worth, our own thoughts and opinions and how we how we live our own life. If so, yeah, so um, what, where am I up to now? <laughs> yeah, so it really does knock us when somebody does say, you know, you, what you're doing is not quite right and, you know, you, it, it's, a, it's hard sometimes to, to, to think, okay, well, is this how I... Is this right, what they're saying? You know, somebody might be giving you constructive criticism and you've got to put it through a bit of a filter, don't you? So, hmm. And you receive it through a filter as well, don't you, in the first place as well? That's not always, yeah, correct. Hmm. Um, yeah, I guess you consider attack on their person, like I said, because um, where your identity is not in the correct thing, then your self-worth is based on what you do. Hmm. So not on who you are, it's based on what you do. So because I am my job, because I am my role, any attack on that is an attack on me or any criticism of that that I perceive and it can be perceived, so not, you know, yeah. Definitely. And where, where should we, we actually be going for our sense of worth? Yeah, well, um, I just if we look at the, that question again as well, if we just talked first about, um, 
you know, often we look to wrong sources and where should we go. We need to go to God because anything outside of Christ, of looking to Christ for your sense of worth or value is the wrong source. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as well that's where this empty nest syndrome comes in. If I just talk for people, say, my age and up. <laughs> Um, where, you know, you can spend your whole life and years and years making your children your life. Um, and, that you know, that's just one wrong source. People go to work, they go to different things, addictions and that. But making your children your everything or the main thing that you live for. And, you know, often that's even above your relationship with your husband. And, um, and so when they've grown up and gone, then you find your life is empty. And, and if you've, in fact, neglected your relationship with your husband because you've been too busy and absorbed with your children, and, I mean, they can do the same as well, you know, everything's about the kids, then they find that once that keeping busy with the kids has, has, has ended, there's no relationship and it's just empty. And so that's why, um, you know, people would say to me, oh, when Callan's gone, you know, how are you going to cope and this and that and... You know, I thought, well, I'll miss him, but, you know, I, I think because I have enough of my own life as well, I have my identity in Christ, and, and from that I have my purpose mm. and, um, you know, ministry and everything. So I think if I didn't have that, it would be a different story altogether. So I think it's important to have that balance. And if your identity is in Christ, then I would assume you are living for the purpose that he's created, so you would have more than just, you know, um, yeah. So. Mm. I, there's a really good children's book it's a max Licardo children's book called you are special and when i was thinking about this <laughs> lena knows it yeah and it um it's basically a story about a little wooden fellow punchinello he lives in a town where everyone gives gold stars for good things like their special abilities or being pretty or even having a lot lot of gold dots <laughs> and or they give black dots for doing silly things or if you, if you trip over or you, you don't have enough gold stars and they give you black dots as well, if you, or if you've got too many black dots. Um, basically, Punchinello is just covered in these black dots. He doesn't have any gold stars. And one day he discovers a, a girl who's got no dots and no stars. And she leads him to their maker's house on the hill, who is Eli, the creator. And um, basically, he, he tells Punchinello that he made him special and that stars and dots don't mean anything to him. So what the world puts on us or what we put on ourselves doesn't mean anything to him. Um, and he says to, says to him, you know, you just come and visit me every day and spend time with me and I'll tell you what you're worth. I'll tell you and you, you won't even need those stars or dots. And as he does that, they fall off. So all the dots start falling off. So just told you the whole ending of the book. But it's a really good, really good children's book but good book for adults well, as well I'm just thinking as a teacher that just you know would be good to read regularly just to remind you as well because you know you sometimes get a bit you know 26 like seven year olds and you can get into that negative thing sometimes so that's really mm. that's powerful um you know other classic examples as well um getting your self-worth from your job a workaholic and I see this a lot with teachers um, and you know, I can I, you see it all the time where sometimes that you know because their their job is who they are and and they're performance driven and getting their identity from that, they often neglect their own families as well and they can get really stressed um, with their own kids. I've got a teacher in particular um, that's been talking to me about this at the moment and you know um, going home and not having the patience with her own kids because she's just putting everything into this job and working so hard. And she actually said to me that she knows that that's where she's getting her identity and how does she shift it and stuff, you know. Um, 
And um, But what I've seen as well is then you actually get stressed with the kids in class as well if they're not performing because that's your sense of worth. And um, you can get really, I, I, I suppose, I don't want to say bitter, but you can get really so tied up that you're really on the kids all the time because if they don't perform, you feel useless, you feel it's a reflection on you and it's just not a healthy place to be. And then as well, if parents come in with something or questions, then, you know, sometimes people get really defensive. Um, so, you know, it's just not healthy. And, um, you know, other people can have their self-worth in how they look. Hmm. You can have excessive shopping, excessive, you know, a- accumulation of possessions and stuff. And, 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 you know, the extremes you can get from that as well can result in eating disorders as well, you know, um, and attaching status to your clothing and then if you go through financial difficulty then you really struggle because you can't spend and so you're just you know not feeding that anymore Mm. and so you're not getting that and you know um I can remember a couple of years ago I was talking to somebody um who you know I think did get get their self-worth out of of possessions and, and how they looked and stuff and you know, I was mentioning I was um, mentioning somebody else um, in the in in the family um, that they were really struggling financially due to um, to having immigrated and stuff. And and this person's response to me, they said, "Yeah, well, you can see that she doesn't spend on herself." And you know, at the time, I, I didn't say anything, but I thought that's such a bitchy comment um, because the person that we're talking about has got this beautiful heart, beautiful spirit, whatever. So what? if they're not wearing the latest designer clothes and whatever, you know. But, you know, it's just not to get angry with the person that said it because theirs is coming out of a sense of that was what was really important to them and that they attached a lot of value um, from. And then as well, you know, if you're getting your self-worth from from your status, whether it be your job or whatever, from your possessions, you know, I think that's as well the extreme there. Sometimes that's why people commit suicide when they lose everything because they just don't know how to you know Mm, that's all they're worth and they just feel worthless and they just don't know how to cope with that yeah you asked for examples so that's what i was giving Mm, again like so many things that we can sort of just go to to find our self-worth or just like to numb the question yes you know i was watching tv last night i don't usually watch tv but i was last night and just all these just rubbish shows i'm like oh like this like it entertains but it's just it's so empty, and I'm just imagining, like, you know, all these people sitting in their land rooms night after night, just four or five hours of TV going to bed, you know, I'm like, oh, so empty, just numbs you, feels like you're in a relationship with these characters or whatever, oh, I was just really struck by that last night. Yeah, and I think that's, it's a lot of people, um, if, you know, they don't have their identity in Christ, they have to keep themselves busy, or like you say, numb just keep going 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 like the hamster on the wheel just because if you do actually take the time to stop and think I think it will just you know feel like it's all coming crashing down and it's not a bad thing that you know because that's what you you sometimes have to come to that place Mm. to be able to realize um, where your identity is and it's at that point that you would make the shift Mm. there's something I'm conscious of in my own life if like at every moment I've got to have noise like if I'm at home and the TV has to be on or there has to be music on or if I'm but 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 going to one thing I'm like well hang on a minute like if I'm really struggling just to put myself into a place of quiet is there a reason for that is there a question or something that I'm trying to run from and not deal with mm-hmm. like I notice that's like a behavior I'll start to do just 
busy, 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 something on all the time, noise, no concentration on something that's pulling deeper. Yeah, that's really good, Lena. So we should all use that as a sort of check, hey, like, yeah. Hmm. So, what does the Bible say about our worth? Alright, well, um, I've got like lots of scriptures here. There are lots of, does anyone want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering where we were going to start with this. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah. I didn't write all of them, obviously, but. Can I just, before you start, just say that I would like the listeners to really listen to the scriptures that we bring out now because, you know, um, you know, hopefully we have lots of things that we say that um, is um, valuable for you and helps you, but really it's the Word of God that is the source of absolute truth. And, and that is the one true authority, okay? And so um, just really listen to what God has to say about you because that's, you know, more than anything we could say. Oh, I actually, I just realised I didn't actually write out the whole verse, so they're going to have to go searching for these verses. So in Matthew 10.31, it talks about how we're worth more than many sparrows. So we're worth more than birds who never worry. Uh, Proverbs 31.10, we're worth more than rubies, which is, you know, gold and silver and jewels. Um, 1 Peter 33 to 4, sorry, 1 Peter 3 verse 4, um, it says, it should be that of your inner self, which is of great worth in God's sight. So that kind of reflects on what you were talking about before about the, the outer. So pass it over to <laughs> but I'll just say a couple and then yeah, no, you can do Lena? Yeah. Um, I was looking at Psalm 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. It's whole Psalm um, just speaking to God and back and forth. But I just love, like, like, keep me as the apple of your eye. Like, in that, like, there's that concept, like, oh, God actually, if that's a thing, like, God actually looks at us as the apple of that. Every single one of us has that spot of favourite in his heart. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Um, And, like... Psalm 139, 13-16 For you did form my inward parts, you did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you, for you are fearfully and wonderfully and for the awful wonder <laughs> of my birth. <laughs> nice wording and fun. Wonderful. wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colours, in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book, and in your book all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. Ugh, love that. Now, I love about that, because that was one of the ones I'd written down as well, that David, if you want to know what a healthy self-image looks like, that's it there. Hmm. He's declaring, you know, what God says about him. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, going through Romans, like there's so much in Romans from like verse chapter one, like even that, like saying, then you then, to you then, all God's beloved ones in Rome, called to be saints and designated for a consecrated life. You know, we're, we're included in that um you know, that's where God's placed us as saints. He's, he's got a life designated, a consecrated life, a, a holy life. You know, he's got grace and spiritual blessings. I love all that. So much richness. You know, that 
in in chapter three, like we're justified and made upright and right standing with God. It's a it's a free gift, free gift um, for Christ Jesus. You know, there's nothing that we can earn that. Like God's just set us apart and set us in there, and there's nothing we need to earn. You know, further down in Romans chapter eight, you know, we're we're got a spirit of adoption. We're adopted into to God's family. You know, that's the worthiest place in us. A family member chosen designated and brought into his family. Love it so much. As you said, so rich. Um, My first one is starting right at the beginning, Genesis 1, 26, or we'll go to 27. Well, 26, then God said, let us make mankind in Mm. our image. And verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I just want to remind you of an earlier podcast where we talked about the Corinthian scripture of arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God um, and they're wrong. For example, you know, I'm useless. And I just want to say that there's some people out there listening where you've had that said to you. You've had that said of you by people that you are useless. And I just want you to reject that and cut it off in Jesus' name because it is a lie. Mm. The Word of God says you were created in God's image. And let me tell you, God does not create anything that is useless. And then um, Ephesians 1 verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we are God's handiwork. Just listen to those words, you know. Um, God doesn't make anything useless, anything worthless. We're his handiwork. And we were created to do good works. So you've got purpose as well. Not only are you full of worth, you have purpose as well. John 3.16, we all know as well, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So we've been bought with a price. Romans 5, that Lena was talking about Romans, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. I mean, that is so powerful, isn't it? So while you could have been railing against God and anti-God, he still died for you that's how much he loves you and Romans 8 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all and 1 Corinthians 6 20 I love this you were bought at a price yeah and so you know if you're ever feeling down or worthless just burn that into your spirit you were bought with a price Mm. now I want you um to notice something here with all these scriptures that we talked about notice the words God said let us make he chose us we are God's handiwork he did this for us. He did that. And, and I want you to notice that the words and the actions, okay? So it's, um, as I said, all of him we created, he created. And all um, the things that these scriptures have in common, it's all things that God has done for us or to us. They're not things that we've done for ourselves. They're not earned and they're not deserved. So our self-worth actually isn't self at all because self doesn't even come into it. So you've just got to accept that your worth is from God. And, you know, um, Debbie, that scripture that you read earlier about 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, scriptures tell us as well that it doesn't only tell you what your worth is, it tells you where your worth shouldn't come from. Mm. And that one that Debbie read earlier about your beauty not coming from outward adornment, mm. such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Mm. And don't worry anyone out there who might be a bit of a chatterbox like me, because when I read that at first, I thought, oh, quiet spirit, I have to stop talking. And I, you know, I really tried hard to, <laughs> to stop talking. And God showed me it's not about that. It's the attitude of my heart and stuff mm. towards him and, and seeing what he said. And 
And, and another scripture that tells us as well what God doesn't look at is 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or heart. This was when he was bringing all Jesse's sons to see which one God was going to choose as the king. Okay, Do not consider his appearance or heart. And then the scripture goes on to say, um, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And... Um, have you guys ever heard of Debbie Boone? She was a Christian singer, maybe far beyond I've your time. I've heard of her. <laughs> Before your time. But, you know, she, um, I've got, in my Bible, I've got devotionals and different people write them. And there's one in there that she's written where she talks about she had a struggle at one time with anorexia. And um, the Lord gave her the scripture that really jumped out at her. Psalm 147, verse 10. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. And all that's talking about not depending on your own strength, but just that legs of, you know, like God doesn't look at that. And for her, that actually was a turning point in, in her anorexia. So that's really interesting, isn't it? And I think one of you mentioned as well that, you know, the Bible, throughout the Bible, it tells us we have the righteousness of Christ. Mm. And so I just want to say to everyone listening, no matter where you've come from, how low you may have been or gone, Whatever sins you might have committed, once you've repented and accepted what Christ did, then you have the righteousness of Christ. And that is how God sees you, okay? He sees Christ in you. And I want you to think of, um, you know, if I had a $100 note, and let's say it got paint on it, it got all crumpled up, it got filthy, it got dirty, it got thrown in the bin by accident, and then I pulled it out in that state. Has it lost its value? Is it still worth $100? Yes, okay. And so just remember that as well, um, anyone there, that you are and you always have been of value to God and don't let anyone or anything tell you otherwise. And, you know, for anyone out listening there who maybe still hasn't accepted Christ and may be still in areas of sin, you're still valuable to God. So don't think even when you're there that you're not. He still values you so much that he sent Jesus to die in your place. And as I said, do not let anyone else tell you your worth or that you're worthless um, you know, just don't let people tell you that because God says you have, you know, worth to him. Mm. Great. Thank you, Carolyn, for some good words of wisdom. We're going to wrap it up there, girls. Our, our challenge, or anyone listening, um, our challenge to you this week is to um, go through Scripture and just find out for yourself um, what does the Bible say about your worth. And we would love for you to... You know, some of us are in the habit of writing up those key scriptures for our, the season that we're in, like on our mirrors or whatever. We would love for you to just sort of be memorizing that and just declaring that as truth over your life. All right, so that's all from us this week. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website, life-house.net, or you can find us on Facebook by looking for Lifehouse Ministries. Thanks, we'll see you next time.